Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> we have another person on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. This is very exciting. So this is another... Actually, this is one of our first guest episodes in a very long time. And we're very excited. Cara, should we give a bit of background as to what we're going to speak about today and who we have on the pod? To, like, sum up what this, what this episode is about... Um, the main topic we're going to talk about is loneliness, which I think a lot of people experience in their lives. Um, and I don't want to say too much, Zoe, but uh, you obviously write about it a lot and um, you share your thoughts and your experiences um, with a lot of people online. And we love that. And we love how vulnerable you can be. And so we thought you were the perfect guest to have on the podcast to just like talk us through everything that you already put online because we think it's so great. But without further ado, Aww. introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you both. Um, <laughs> I have been looking forward to this all week. I like when you when you asked um, if I wanted to come on, I like called my mom and I told all my friends. Oh, and oh. Was really excited. Um, yeah, I uh, I write um, some some things. I've been working on a poetry book for like three years now, which I just keep like in a folder hidden. That's so exciting. Um, tr- I'm really excited, but I'm also really scared. Publishing is really hard. So if anyone mm. has any publishing help out there please hit me up um but yeah I've been working on a book of poetry I write on my blog um which is just zoeburger.com lol um it also has this like my actual work and my day job um I am a graphic designer by day I work at slack the like workplace messaging I think that's so kind of platform cool. that they're gonna get <laughs> mad at me I it's a digital HQ is what it is um and I I love working with them it's really great um which also will feed into my highs and lows that we'll talk about later um but yeah I write I design but mostly I feel things and talk about them so I'm really really excited to be here and to feel things with you all oh that was the perfect intro (laughs) I feel like even just you saying it like perfectly encapsulates like why we wanted to speak to you because I feel like this podcast is all about just like us chatting about what we're feeling and I don't know hopefully like us analyzing why we're feeling them and trying to figure it out and I remember reading your blog post and that's the first time that I was like stalking your blog basically and trying to desperately find other stuff that you've written because I was so moved by the piece that you wrote and I just thought it was like truly beautiful writing so I'm so excited for your poetry book whenever it comes out and obviously we'll we'll share links to your socials and everybody needs to go go check your blog out so oh I'm gonna cry (laughs) I'm so excited this is awesome okay shall we start with highs and lows Cara do you want to start am I starting yes I'm putting you on the spot well and I'm like, do I have any highs? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Just lows. <laughs> okay, I'll start with lows because it's easier to think about lows. Um, and I've already told Leo this, but I've been feeling, I think, I honestly think it's because I'm going to get my period. I've um, spent a lot of time seeing people, so I haven't had any alone time recently. And I think I'm genuinely just like craving that. Mm. And the o- only alone time that I've had recently was like my days at work when I'm working from home. So like, it's not like I've actually had time by myself to actually do things that I'm passionate about and excited about so I just think I've been like I don't know if burnt out is the right word to use it but I'm just like so tired and hormonal and like then I'm upset that I don't want to see people Mm -hmm. and then you know like you you're trying to convince yourself like no but you'll have fun when you see people and then like actually canceling plans or like delaying plans and then just feeling bad about it and all that kind of stuff so I've just been feeling a bit down um Cara yeah I hope you're not feeling bad about cancelling 
on our plans because you never ha- I've already said this to you a million times but you never have to feel bad about cancelling anything and yeah. I think that's like the thing with like most like if you're cancelling on good friends like you know they'll understand and it's never gonna be a big deal yeah. or especially if you're being honest with like why yeah you're canceling. exactly and also I think the best thing is like if you're cancelling and stuff um at least like rescheduling so that she, you know that like the intention isn't I don't want to see you it's more like just not today <laughs> when I'm feeling better because obviously I want to when I want to spend time with you I want to be my best self and like yeah at peace so yeah that is that is how I've been feeling but in terms of a high I guess it, it's today I um I had my first day in the office uh back from being working from home and then like being away for the holidays and stuff and it was really nice like to see everybody again um because I really get on with the people I work with and sometimes when you're working from home it's so easy to kind of just like forget that they're real people Mm. um and just like message a name and be like can you do this can you do this but when you're actually in the office and you can make jokes and like go get a coffee and stuff like I really miss those things um and so that was fun like it put me in a good headspace again and like a bit re-motivated with work which I've been feeling a bit uh, down about as well so it was a good high good day but that is me who wants to go next? I don't know. I don't want to allocate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can go, Leo. Okay, I'll go. Um, what do I go first? Okay, I'll do my high first to switch it up. My high is something, it's a little bit odd, but basically it was my birthday on the 1st of Jan and we celebrated in Italy, obviously, which we shared on the pod. And I took, so my mom had like wrapped some presents for me and my dad and she, and I couldn't take them to Italy because of my suitcase, but I'd taken her like the letter that she wrote me and it's kind of like a tradition that even like back when I used to go on class trips she'd always write me letters and like give me little presents to take and like spray so with her cute. perfume <laughs> so I, re- I remember like reading it in Italy and like you know shedding a tear or two and I remember like one sentence specifically that she wrote to me in that letter which was that I already have everything I need within me and I remember like reading it and it I don't know it like touched something within me I think it's just like something that I need to be aware of more right just being like I don't need anything else like I've I've got everything already that I it's you know the only thing kind of standing in my way is I guess like myself in in the way but then I had a call with my parents this week to like unwrap the rest of the presents and my dad who's an artist beautiful like card that I can like set up and then he also wrote some words on the inside and he wrote something it was really weird because I I read it and it was again something that like you know you have all that you need already like right within you you don't need to seek anything external etc and I was like on FaceTime (laughs) with him and I was like you definitely like obviously talked about this right like you you both wrote the same thing and they were looking at each other and they were like, no, like we didn't talk oh. about this. Like they had, they had no idea what the other person had wrote to me. That's and I was so just beautiful. like, wow, like, I, I don't know. I know it's such a small thing, but it was just like, wow, it's kind of weird that like both my parents thought to write me the same message. And I think one that like I really needed to hear. Oh. I really think it's a sign. Like they, they, they both, both in that it. moment knew. Yeah. yeah. And they both knew that that's something that you needed to hear. I think that's so sweet. Yeah. Your par- parents know you best, uh, I think. <laughs> My parents do know me very well. And I know that they listen. So I love you both. Thank you very much. And mm. yeah, so that was that was very sweet. And then my low, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'm feeling very emotional right now. Like in general, this whole day has just been a bit up and down. Oh, 
I hate that I cry so goddamn easily. You are allowed to cry. <sighs> oh my god. Yeah, you're feeling it. That's the point oh. of the podcast, Leo. <laughs> that I feel that comfortable. I cry no, but to feel comfortable <laughs> that you can talk about it and, and feel it in this moment. Yeah. Safe space. It's just it's a reoccurring issue. Oh, which I've spoken about on the podcast in the in my episode about failure. But I don't think I, I mentioned on the podcast, but I basically get reoccurring dreams um, oh, ever since it happened. And ever so often, like, they come up again and it's always the same pattern of events, which is the same to when the event originally happened. And I always go through, like, the same cycle of emotions and it always feels so real when I wake up. And I obviously know, you know, why it keeps well I don't know why it keeps coming up but I know what it stems from and yeah but I think I really want to focus this year on you know I don't know what you call it but working on my subconscious because I feel like my my conscious me knows that I have changed I have grown since since when everything happened and that I wouldn't do the same things again etc that the same things couldn't happen again but my subconscious clearly like hasn't gotten over the event yeah which is why they keep coming up in dreams and yeah just something I need to work on so I've just been feeling a bit fragile today um but also like it's I'm not feeling I know I'm crying about it I'm not feeling actively sad about it I'm feeling grateful that I can like talk about it and that yeah. I have like access to tools and I was looking into like therapy that's like specific to I don't want to call it trauma but just like you know I no, guess getting over past events <laughs> um and so yeah that's on my list of things to do and yeah so it's a low but also you know sign of hopefully things getting better in the future yeah leo i think it's one of the first times though that you've had you know that experience of like having a dream but like when you're talking about it you're talking about it with positives and like actually being Mm -hmm. like no you know what i know what i need to do and like my conscious knows how to actually deal with this and i i I think this is like the first time i've seen you talk about it in that way so i think that's like something you should be so proud of yourself for being able to like say that and even and still feel the emotion at the same time you know um so but yeah i know it's hard yeah I've experienced that before as well it's hard so (laughs) it's so weird that Um, I like still can't talk about it without crying it's just like so because I hadn't I hadn't cried all day about it until then I spoke to Marco my boyfriend on the phone I was telling him all about it and then I obviously cried Mm. and that was like just before this call and now obviously speaking about it again and crying again (laughs) yeah love love emotions so much we do love emotions (laughs) and you're allowed to cry and like being able to talk about it and feel those things is obviously not very fun but is like part of the human experience and like the human experience is what makes us all like this is the same thing it's like kind of like a metaphor for like us being here today together like if we didn't all feel like this like quote-unquote negative emotion of being lonely then none of us would like be able to relate to each other about it so like you being able to be honest about where you are is like not anything at all to be ashamed of or to be annoyed at yourself for and I think a lot of that um you were talking about like looking into therapy for like trauma and stuff and I've been looking into EMDR therapy and other options for it and I just finished um the body keeps score um I don't know if you guys have heard about it um he's incredible um and 
it just talks a lot about the different ways you can like I guess work through and work with trauma um and how also that trauma can also make you a more empathetic more like I don't know a more emotional person in the way that you can relate to other people more easily so it's I don't want to say it's a blessing because it's also like not very nice but there are good things that come out of it and like you being able to talk about it with us is one of those things so thank you you're so sweet yeah honestly that's a good point I really want to read that book I've heard of it (laughs) and (laughs) maybe that's one to put on my TBR um and I feel like actually to be fair it's very on point with like what we wanted to speak about today isn't it because like a lot of like what you're all about or even like the kind of notes of things that you sent to us was exactly about that right about like being human and feeling emotion and I do feel that like I think me and Kara feel things very similar and sounds like maybe you do as well that like I think we just feel things very intensely and I, I often feel that like I feel I feel very emotional like in the lows and I feel them quite intensely but also I wouldn't trade it for the world because again yeah you can feel the the highs and the love that we do experience like you know you appre- I think you appreciate them also in a in a different way um but yeah I feel like this has been a very long high and low for me so I'll, <laughs> I'll pass on to you oh you're allowed to you're allowed to take as long as you need um but I hear you and I've been there and I will be there again and that's okay um <laughs> my okay I'll start with my lows um this past week has been really hard um for me at work um but also just I guess kind of like infringing on my personal life because uh 10% of my parent company as uh, Salesforce bought Slack um about a year ago and I don't know if you've been reading the news but 10% um of the workforce got laid off like without any warning or any oh like in like the worst possible way ever um on Wednesday last week and uh what my best friend at work got laid off um like oh. four of my coworkers oh. four of my like direct teammates um, that were really fucking good at their jobs and did not deserve that um, and didn't deserve it in the way it happened as well. Like, they got an email at, like, 3 in the morning saying, like, a completely insensitive <gasps> email just saying they didn't have a job anymore and then they just got locked out of Slack. Like, oh my so fucked up, so wrong. Um, I have a lot of feelings on it, but at the end of the day, I was just I was just feeling... Obviously, I was feeling really bad that they weren't there because they deserved to be. But on top of that, I've been feeling like I don't deserve to be there. And I just feel like I have a lot of survivor's guilt because I feel like they were like better at their jobs Mm. than me and like worked harder and worked more. Um, And it just kind of made me like feel like really bad um, that I'm there and they're not when I feel like they should be instead of me. Um, But I guess that leads into my high, which is to say that I've been speaking to some people that um, I either have left Slack um, like before the layoffs, like an old manager of mine. And um, my also current, um, like, skip manager, like, my director. And um, they both were telling me how, like, completely unprompted, how um, good of a designer I was. um, And how, like, much they enjoyed working with me and how they would want to work with me again in the future. And that, like, we could start our own thing together. And it was, like, a little bit of, like, a sweet little fantasization. But it was also just really really comforting to hear that um because I, I don't know I always kind of thought I was like the personality hire or like I was hired because I, I cared a shit ton but not because I was actually good at what I did um <laughs> and for them to tell me for these like people I really respect to tell me that I was there because I deserved it and because I was good at it yeah. um kind of has made me feel um more empowered to continue doing the work that we were doing and to also just kind of like 
I don't know, just boost my week. I was feeling really sad and really bad about myself. Yeah. So it was really nice to hear. So that's been my perfect week. timing for them to say that, especially when it was like with such a low as well. Yeah, um, it was that's really amazing. Special. Congrats. Yeah. It's crazy. Like what a difference a comment from like a manager or higher up can do. For real. I feel like it's something to like bear in mind, like, you know, as like when we become managers or us managing people, because it's like you never know like how you can like brighten up someone's day by just telling them like how you actually feel. You yeah, know? just by yeah. being honest. I don't think you even need to be a manager. Like if you're thinking something, you yeah. should just say it. Um, I, yeah, something. 100%. Like sometimes I think I'm like, oh, no one's like recognized my hard work. And then I think and I'm like, oh, I haven't really told anyone, even no, though I've, yeah, like, so I've appreciated what they've done. I haven't really vocalized it. So I think that's something like I want to work better uh, is like if I if I'm thinking something actually saying it because I know how much it will change someone's thing. Yeah, that's such a good point. Zoe, we've now spoken about your writing, but do you want to share some of your writing? Basically, the original blog post that we were speaking about at the beginning, we'd love for you to just read an excerpt for our listeners to kind of get them in the mood of the topic. I would love to. <laughs> um, let me think about where I should start. Yeah, I'll start from like the middle, I guess. The beginning of it's like a little depressing and not that that's something to be ashamed of, but I just don't feel like that right now. So this kind of like mentions a book that I definitely do want to talk about um, later, um, but I'll just go ahead. Um, I'm reading Olivia Lang's The Lonely City. I started it at least two years ago in a bookstore on Prince Street before I lived in New York. I told friends not to read it just then if they were, quote, were in a weird mental place, unquote, because of how reminded I felt of my loneliness when reading it, like being lonely was something I had to ignore or hide. Halfway through, I'm understanding loneliness more fully, seeing loneliness as mine, as fact, as where I am right now. I'll admit I'm scared that telling you I'm lonely will make you see me differently, like an object to be pitied or put aside. I'm writing this anyway, so that in any case, you will see me as I am. It's fucking freezing outside. My warm body feels so very far away from everything out there. And then I remember the warmth on either side of my bedroom wall, my two friends that I share space with. Even now, as I hole up in the dark writing this, one of them sends me a link to art she thinks I'd like. Today, my cousin texted me from California with no idea of how I'd been feeling, just to tell me she'd been thinking of me, that she wished that I could be there, that she loved me. I'm ashamed to feel so alone when there are people that love me, but I'm realizing that loneliness and love can coexist together. I guess this is all to say that I'm very lonely, and I'm very loved, and I'm grateful to experience both of those things as fully as I am. I've been seeing my loneliness as an entity I live with, like a roommate. I take my loneliness on dates. We listen to sad music together. We sit together at dinner. I look it in the eyes. We don't fight. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful to feel. I lived a year of numbness on a massive dose of Zoloft, and I remember feeling like a skeleton was pulling all the strings inside of me like a marionette walking around in my skin. I don't miss it. I like how close I feel to my loneliness now. It's like you like being sad, my ex used to say, uncomfortable with my depression. It's not that I like it, I would reply. It's that it's part of me. This is how my brain works. And I like my brain because of all the things it does for me, including this. All of it together is the human experience, isn't it? All I have left to say is that I like mine. Goosebumps. So that's my little blog. I love it so <laughs> It's much. so beautiful. 
Oh, thank you guys. I could listen to you read for ages. Um, looking forward to the yeah. Even to the way the you read that, it was so calming and like. <laughs> that is such a compliment. I like hate the sound of my own voice, but also I never shut up. So I really appreciate you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> you get very, very used to the sound of your own voice when you make a podcast. So that's mm. that's one way of of getting over. That's a good the fear. That's a good fact. idea, actually. I do love to talk. <laughs> Just hear yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I love how you describe it in terms of like an entity that you live with, a roommate, someone you take on dates. Like I, I don't think I've ever heard it being described in that way. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you can recall like when the first, I mean, this is a very vague question, but when if you remember when you first started experiencing loneliness and how your experience or your feelings towards loneliness have changed over the years, because it sounds like you've gotten to like a really beautiful place with it now. But I would imagine that maybe it hasn't yes, been that you way. you are absolutely right. And I can totally fucking talk about this. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this kind of goes back to like the beginning. So I was when I was born. Um, I uh, was born in London and I lived there till I was five. And then we moved to the States and then moved around a lot growing up. We moved 14 times before I went to uni. Um, so I went oh, wow. to like nine different schools, basically. Um, and that was really hard. My parents were also really, really strict and, um, controlling. Um, and I know that that was because, you know, they want to protect me and they want what's best for me. I understand all the intent behind it. But at the time it kind of meant that I spent most of my time alone. Um, and I wasn't really allowed to like go over to people's houses or have sleepovers or like, it just was, and then we would move every like two years basically. So as soon as I would like sit down roots, I would have to be pulled away. And then they were also really strict with electronics. So I wasn't really allowed to like have a Facebook or communicate with them in a way. Um, I think a lot of parents at the time were scared of social media and of the internet. And I understand where that comes from because it's terrifying. I like completely get that. Yeah, probably right. Yeah, to be fair. Yes. Um, (laughs) But the thing is with strict parents, they just create sneakier kids. So I came out uh, the way I came out anyways. Um, But (laughs) that's all to say I spent a lot of time by myself and I had a really hard time with it. So I've been I've been in therapy like since um, I guess since sophomore year of high school on and off. But I've been with the same therapist every week, sometimes multiple times a week for five years now since 2017. Wow. And that's like my wow. biggest flex. It's like my most stable relationship, I always say. Um, <laughs> she's like, yeah, we, we really show up for that each is other. A flex. Um, obviously, she shows up because <laughs> oh, I pay that's her. So sweet. But um, <laughs> at least I show up for myself there. Um, but in therapy, we've been talking about for a long time um, how I, like, my biggest fear has been myself in a way that I have such a hard time being alone. And throughout college, this would kind of manifest itself as me um, just distracting myself as much as possible and like joining different groups and trying to stay out of the house and not end up by myself. And I remember like I was not able to walk between classes if it was more than a like a five minute walk without calling my dad because I didn't want to sit with my own thoughts. And that like, you know, is not my favorite thing. I, that's not like I don't think that's how anyone should be able to live they should be able to go like five minutes with being with themselves yeah. so I've been working with my therapist for like five years now basically on increasing that buffer of time like around how long I can spend by myself so she was like okay you can spend five minutes by yourself let's see if we can add two minutes in the beginning and two minutes on the end and just thinking about it as like a way to buffer 
that time. Um, and it's been a really, really long journey. Um, but I'm really proud of making it because, I mean, I wouldn't say I, like I've made it. Like there's definitely times that I've, I'm alone and I don't want to be alone. But for the most part, I can now choose when to be alone. And then occasionally even enjoy that time by myself, which is something I never thought I would be able to do, like, ever in my whole life. My therapist would be like, oh, let's try to get that time to, like, an hour. And I'd be like, no fucking chance I could be by myself for an hour and not need it. Um, And now I'll, like, come home from the bar and just sit with myself and, like, not to say, like, I sit staring at the wall, but, like, I'll sit and I'll read or I'll Mm -hmm. meditate. And, like, I'm able to actually sit with myself without being so fearful of myself. And I think a lot of that is due to the work I've done, I guess, personally, part of it in therapy and like part of it by myself on building like self-trust and knowing that you can, that I can trust myself to be there for myself and that I won't abandon myself when I need myself. And some of that like comes down to inner child work. If you guys have like looked about, like looked around that or talked about it. Um, And some of it just comes down to just telling yourself that you're going to be there um, and that you can handle it. And I think part of the things that make that easier for me are remembering the hard things that I've been through and that I made it through those. So like what could possibly, you know, I'd not be able to handle now. And that's not to say there won't be like hard things in the future, but it is to say that you spend your years building up the tools you need to be able to prepare yourself and to carry yourself in a way that would make you, even if you're not necessarily proud of it, but that you got through it, I think that's something to be proud of by itself. Mm. It's amazing. Amazing that you've gotten to this point. Like, it sounds like you've really been able to identify, like, what you were struggling with and then actually put the work in. Oh my god, yeah. I was, like, not able to be, like, there was a period of time uh, with my college boyfriend, I was so depressed that I couldn't shower by myself, and he would have to, like, get in the shower with me and, like, (sighs) bathe me. And I, I just, like, could not be by myself oh. at any point. And then to be able yeah. to, like, look at now that I can, like, choose to, I don't know, go take a shower and that I can enjoy that is, like, a crazy, crazy mindfuck that I'm really grateful that yeah. I was able to get to, you know? That's incredible. I think it's so interesting that you said that because I mentioned it in the podcast before that, like, I Oh, my God, I hate showering. I fucking hate showering. <laughs> I'm left with my thoughts and like I always I come out of like the shower thinking of like something that happened six Same. years ago that like upset me or something and I'm like you wish we have never thought of this and like somehow when you're in the shower your brain chooses to like remember all of these bad things that have happened to you <laughs> so I totally relate on that because I, I I honestly like I can't shower without like music mm-hmm. or like a video playing because for me it's like sometimes I hear you <laughs> having to just like I hear you I okay so I don't take that many baths because I live in New York and our bath is kind of weird but um <laughs> I think like when I was staying I was in Portland for a little like a, a month and a bit like a while ago and my friend has this great bathtub and I was having a really hard time being alone and like showering but um I kind of just like forced myself into it in a way and was like okay I'm I'm intentionally gonna sit here with my thoughts but I'm gonna make it pleasant like I'm gonna light a candle mm-hmm. and I'm like maybe I'm gonna play something in the background or something but I'm gonna try and at least you know put myself in an environment where I can try to do this and try to not hate it mm-hmm. um, which is not to say it'll like work all yeah. the time but it like you know baby steps yeah yeah it's so interesting I feel like I've definitely gone through periods where I've been so scared of my mind and then it's like you you just don't know 
or you're scared of where you'll go and where your thoughts will take mm-hmm. you if you do take the time to listen to them mm-hmm. and like give them the space to I don't know unfold mm-hmm. and take you down with them but I think that's yeah. like probably like one of the biggest journeys right like how to be comfortable with our thoughts mm-hmm. and like no matter where they'll take us and I love the idea of just being able to learn how to trust yourself and 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 know that whatever comes up or whatever thought even if it's triggering comes up you know that your brain has the tools to handle yeah. them my yeah. therapist has been reminding me like forever that feelings are not facts and that like they mm. are valid and that they exist and that you actually do feel them and you are allowed to feel them but that they are not like the truth of what is actually happening outside of you yeah I think that's so important um, and I want to say, like, because that was what I was going to say as well, is that your feelings are so valid because I've had this conversation with so many people that have, like, had to move around a lot. And, like, they they were saying, like, as soon as they, you know, got attached to someone or, like, made friends and stuff, they were with no choice, like, having mm-hmm. to move countries and, like, start the process all over again. And I got to the point where they said they actually, like, got numb to it. It's almost like they got used yeah. to this idea that like oh I'll make friends and like I will never see them again yeah. and that's fine mm-hmm. um which obviously is maybe the other side of the spectrum that also like would be great for them to kind of like see why they're mm-hmm. feeling um numb as well but yeah I think it's completely valid considering all the change and so I was kind of curious do you feel like you implement a lot more stability now in your life oh my God. because of that yeah, I feel like I need stability so much more than the like the person that hasn't moved so much because I I don't know, I just rely on consistency and routine so much. And that is it's also true that I'm fucking terrible at keeping my routines. Um and that like this is like widely known among my friends that like I will just pass out with the lights on, like without having brushed my teeth or like taken like done any of my night routine or anything. Um and that's something that I've been trying to work on um over the past few months but particularly like after my last breakup um in December um with uh someone that you guys know which is so funny um (laughs) but um I've been trying to go into this year with uh, more commitment to those routines because those like routines and stability are the way that I ground myself when everything else goes to shit so like after my breakup I was um, really worried about like going back into a depressive period because I feel like that's pretty normal. Um, and the way that I usually fall into that is with like my sleep patterns and I'll like start napping through the day and then I'll just become nocturnal and then it'll kind of just like devolve into this like two month depression period. So instead I had like this list of things on a post-it that I could do instead of taking a nap. And like, they were so basic. Like one of them was hold something soft and breathe. Like the most like basic, like easiest thing to do but I think like as an like emotional person a lot of I don't know a lot of things can be overwhelming so just breaking it down into like the smallest things that you can do to make yourself feel um like held even if it's just by yourself um I think that helped a lot but yeah stability and like routine are the most important things to me which is really hard because I also love to travel and I feel like when I travel my routines Mm. get really messed up um so that's something (laughs) yeah that's something I need to figure out yeah I love that. Do you mind sharing what else was on your post-it note and how you came up with them? Because I feel like that's yes, very course. It's so sweet of you to do for yourself. They're pretty basic, but I really needed them at the time. So mm. um, here they are. It's uh, listen to music, obviously. Uh, call a friend. <laughs> that always really, really, really helps. Mm. That when I like, I would just kind of cycle through this list when I wanted to take a take a nap. 
um, go for a walk. I've been going on really long walks in New York. Um, it's been really, really nice just like finding yourself in a completely different neighborhood and just like walking for like four hours. Also, my job is very forgiving, so I can go on like a three, four hour midday walks <laughs> in the middle of the workday and no one cares, which is awesome. Um, uh, meditating, uh, which has been, which was hard in the beginning as it like usually always is, but, um, just something that I was trying to get back into that I feel like I've been doing pretty good at now. I've been like meditating for like 15 or 10 or 15 minutes now, which I feel like is a decent amount of time. Yeah. Um, holding something soft and breathing. Just, that was, honestly, that was like the first thing I went to a lot. And I, in the beginning I was like, like not so much ashamed, but I would poke jokes at myself for Mm. that only, like that being the only thing I could handle. But I think when you've been, I don't know, when you've been like really hurt to your core and you feel like a small child again in the way that you feel vulnerable, just treating yourself like a child is so comforting. So like I would just curl up and hold like my stuffed animal and like just literally just focus on breathing. And that honestly made me feel so much better. Um, other things were like watching a comfort show. Um, I have this thing where I don't watch any TV or like any movies at all, but I will rewatch the same thing over and over again. So I've seen Friends like hundreds of times through, um, cause I used to watch it with my family. Um, but so just, sweet. I think there's something really comforting and like, I don't know, knowing what the characters are wearing and what they're going to say next. Yeah. There's actually the, there's like psychology behind it of like why we prefer to rewatch shows than to watch new shows. It's because please like, send that to you me. Know what to, yeah, one of my friends did his uh, um, master's dissertation on like why we find we get comfort out of rewatching shows. I, I can ask him to share it with you. Oh my god, I would love to I read his thesis. Thing. I would love to read that. <laughs> we had this in uni as well. There's like a, same reason or similar reasons as to like why the kind of retro and everything is so on trend and why people reread like books nostalgia. and yeah, yeah. And it's again, yeah, it's because you know the ending, so you know the emotions that you're going to experience, so you go into. Ooh the book or the or the movie almost like being able to predict what you're gonna feel so Mm. you can like seek out specific books or movies or even episodes based on like how you want to feel and then like (laughs) that's so comforting yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense I I do the same (laughs) I have a really hard time with like not knowing what I'm going into or Mm. um I think it's because of all the instability I guess it's just like not knowing what I'm gonna get at the end of it that really stresses me out um, another one of the things was take a bath. Didn't do that because my shower's weird. Um, <laughs> color. Uh, I've been coloring. It's been fucking awesome. I got this, like, really, really awful kind of naff, like, book from, uh, I don't know, like, Target or something over here. Um, and I've just been coloring it with markers. And it's, it, I feel so productive for no reason. I it's awesome. Um, I, I literally you. have one of It's the ones that, like, you fill in with, like, all the different Yeah, colors. yeah. it's so great and then um just reading I've been like I got so much more into reading like so when I would move around a lot uh, growing up the only thing I would really do in every city was get a library card and Mm. I spent a lot of my time in libraries Um, my dad would like I think they really encouraged that and my dad would always drive me to the library and like he would just wait there for like four hours and I would just like chill and read and like take hundreds of books and I think that was the one I read like I read every Agatha Christie book ever which is like hundreds (laughs) of them there's so many of them I think I read them like eighth grade or something um so I I felt like that was a part of myself that yeah honestly it kind of is um but I feel like that was a part of myself that I uh I kind of ignored um when I was I don't know like through college and then after I think I just distanced myself from that because I didn't want to feel like that like I guess that 
lonely child again, and I wanted mm. to feel like part of something. And I guess that something to me was social, um, because that was not something I really got that much of growing up. So I think I abandoned that part of me for a really long time. And then literally right after this breakup, I was like, I want to feel like myself again. Um, and I've read like four books in the past like three weeks. It's been awesome. Wow. I love that. You know, that. it's really weird hearing you say it because I feel like I went through such a similar process after my breakup. I mean, I've spoken about mm. this on the podcast as well, but I was with my boyfriend for like my ex with like, for like three and a bit years throughout uni. And I feel like I like reading was such a big part of my childhood and teenage years. And I'd always like mm-hmm. be the lonely kid, like sitting somewhere with a book and everything. Um, and then I think at uni, I just kind of like lost that part a little bit. And then again, after mm-hmm. the breakup, I think breakups are and actually one of the questions that we got when we asked on Instagram was, how do you deal with breakups and, and heartache and all of that? And oh actually, <laughs> I mean, I know that they're obviously one of like the most painful experiences to ever go through. But I also think you like refined yourself. And it's like one of, I think, the most transformative times where you figure out like, who do I mm-hmm. actually want to be? And then, okay, what steps do I take to get there? So I feel like yeah, they're like a, a blessing and a, an emotional curse yeah. that kind of gets laid on you or that you choose. I mean, whatever, you know, whatever A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I feel like, honestly, the breakup was one of the best things that's happened to me because it gave me an opportunity to choose what I wanted mm. instead of just sitting with what was there. And yeah. it was like, it was just a change in perspective being like, okay, I'm choosing no longer to have you in my life what also am I choosing that I want in my life and not want in my life um and I think everything has gotten so much clearer since so it's been like the best thing ever I love that do you have any other things or advice for people dealing with like heartache or or maybe people who are going through a breakup right now and oh my it doesn't God. just have to be a uh, like partner breakup it could be like a friendship breakup as well because we oh, talk about yeah. how that's just as hurtful and sometimes even more hurtful yeah. than a relationship yeah breakup. I went through a really really awful friendship breakup um in like kind of a very it was a really really intimate relationship that she and I had um throughout uni and then there was like this one incident that um I guess made me like no longer trust her I guess and it was just it was really hard and she apologized for it later um, and we're friends now still, but it just kind of, I think it just, we, we were quite honest with each other and I think I was relying on her for too much and she was not able to be as, be reliable basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think our relationship will yeah. ever be the same, but it was really, really hard to go through at the time because it was like, you, you genuinely do grieve for this person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's this. This girl, like, Tinks, she has this podcast. Um, I don't listen to her, but my sister does. And she was telling me about, um, when I was going through the breakup, she was telling me about how Tinks says that you should hold a funeral for this person because it kind of, like, puts, a like, a, a mark and, like, an actual, like, timestamp on Aww. what was there. Um, and then you kind of also are able to honor it in a way. Um, I hadn't done that. Yeah, exactly. Because closure only comes from you, right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing that you anyone else can say that will bring you closure. It's yeah. always about how you feel about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just trying to... For me, the biggest thing that got me through was my routines. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that every act of self-care and routine that I did 
was an act of love for me. And every act of love for me just reinforced how it, important it was for me to stay here and for me to be here. Um, and then my friends just helped a lot. They were just there and they listened. Um, some of them gave advice, some of them didn't. Um, but just having people that see you as who you are and just remind you that this is one bad thing that's happened um, and there will be more bad things that happen and there will also be more good things that will happen and there will somehow also something be something good that comes out of this bad thing. Um, those reminders really helped as I just, even if I didn't feel them at the moment, to know that one day they'd be true, that made me feel better. I love that. That's very good advice. Um, something I just wanted to remember, or this is just not, not limited to breakups, but just generally, is that the level of pain you feel right now also shows the level of love that you are able to feel in the future or that you will feel now or whatever it is like that I think about it like as a spectrum and it's like the the human emotions that are like seen as negative or like hard or bad or whatever the further that they go to the left let's say the further that your capacity to feel connected and intimate and like those good feelings goes to the right so I think remembering that like no matter how shitty and um pain, like just in pain I was feeling I would be able to love the next person or myself or my friends or the people around me deeper because of that if that makes sense yeah it's such a rare way to view it as well because I think people they think as, as as soon as they've gone through like a hard breakup, for example, or like a friendship breakup, it's so, because I mean, that's what I did. I closed myself mm. off for so many years mm. and I was like, I never want to feel this pain again. And in, in trying to protect myself from not feeling that pain, I ended up not being able to love, you know, exactly what you're saying. Like I fully, cl- I never really gave my chance, myself that chance to experience it again and even feel it 10 times more, which is something that I'm like working through at the minute is like opening myself up with friendships again and, um, purely because like the past I don't know how many years over like maybe eight years of like closing myself off from friendships it like yeah it it doesn't it doesn't end up with anything good so ever and if anything I've like I've missed out on like so on honestly so much growth within myself as well because I think that's something I've gained so much of my friendships now is like Mm. being able to understand myself better um so I completely agree with what you're saying that like actually the relationships are so much more beautiful once you've gone through something hard that like it almost makes you appreciate as well you know what you could feel with the right person and like a hundred percent the right environment as well, I also think that like even if it's not the right person like I think about my relationships like my romantic relationships so my past three like boyfriends or like people I've like been serious with um have all cheated on me in like various different ways um but I think about how a, I think about how I would have reacted, like, with the first relationship, and then how I reacted with this one, and how I was able to pick myself up, which makes me feel like I'm, like, really proud of the growth, like, the personal growth that I was able to make, but B, with my last relationship, I was terrified of him cheating on me, and I mean, eventually that's what happened anyways, but, uh, and I'm looking, I'm going to therapy and, like, looking into why this keeps happening, because, I mean, obviously it's not my fault, like, no one has to be cheated on, but I'm obviously doing something in some circumstance that is creating some sort of environment um that like fosters that I'm not saying like I'm encouraging it but there's something going on there that I need to look at closer which I am but that is also to say that um when I think about this relationship that I had with him 
he was the closest to what I want in the future. And I feel like if I didn't allow myself to even try to trust again, then I would not be able to get like, you know, one stepping stone closer to where I want to go. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a very brave way, I think, of looking at it. And I think it kind of shows how far you've come with the relationship to yourself. Because I think the difficulty with like trusting other people again and letting other people in is that you have to know what you were saying that you can fall back on yourself if it goes south mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. it it kind of means that it's it's can be sometimes more difficult and I think that's why I've, I've actually been like talking to a friend about a very similar thing who's like gone through some quite like tough breakups and and weird situations with guys and it's about like you know that fear of like okay but if I enter that situation what if this happens again and it's like okay it might you know you just don't know mm-hmm. what's gonna happen like no one has any guarantees but I guess yeah what's the alternative it's it's not feeling anything or not allowing yourself to explore something with someone that you like or that you could like and that you could love yeah and I feel Which like you're just robbing yourself of that opportunity right yeah but I know it's it's obviously always like easier said than done yeah <laughs> yeah and for me personally that fostered like distancing myself from being able to get close to people fostered that loneliness in my mm. life um, and I'm, I'm going to bring it back to lonely, loneliness because I loved in your blog how you said that, you know, you can feel lonely and have still have people that, you know, love you and like people that you can reach out to. Um, and I, I guess I wanted to understand because I mean, it makes sense, but I wanted to hear more about your experience of like, because I'm sure it's a bit of like, I felt it as well when I was like, wait, why am I feeling a bit lonely when I know like I do have people? And I think a lot of people will kind of feel ashamed for feeling lonely and like go through this back and forth mm-hmm, of like, mm-hmm why am I feeling this way? And I guess I want to understand maybe how you came to a point where you could acknowledge that you do have people in your life, but then you're still comfortable or like accepting of that loneliness in your life, if that makes sense as a question. Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing that I've been working on like really aggressively, which I don't think I'm fully there yet, but it's like a a practice of um, not being all or nothing with things and seeing that two things can exist at the same time, uh, which has been really hard for me because for a long time, I also just saw myself as, like, a bad person, and I was like, that's it, I'm bad, and I can't be good, but then I would, like, um, I don't know, do a good deed or something, and then I would, like, get this, like, inflated (laughs) sense of self-worth, and I'd be like, oh, I'm better than everyone, (laughs) and uh, later, I realized that I have borderline personality disorder, which makes a lot of sense, a terrible name as well for um, a disorder, if you want to look into it, it's very interesting, Um, but that kind of shifting sense of self-worth was, um, something I was experiencing and I think there's so much shame associated with such a human feeling of being lonely and I think that's because we are really quick to see humanity as a collective experience that we all experience the same things which is true and should be comforting but at the same time I don't think we are as forgiving with the idea that the human experience is also very singular and that you are really truly the only person that ever sees you fully. Um, I think that's a really uncomfortable idea to a lot of people and really uncomfortable to me. But as soon as I stopped fighting that and tried to just invest into actually seeing myself in the most honest way I could, I started to realize that being lonely was not something I had to hide. Um, or something that didn't exist at the same time as being loved by people. 
because mm-hmm. yeah. they're both literally true. Like, I have people that care about me all the time, but that yeah. doesn't negate the feeling that I am lonely a lot of the time. Um, and I think I think it's not fair to ourselves to try to, like, push down that lonely feeling and say, like, I feel like that's, like, a common thing with, like, people that aren't comfortable with, like, talking about mental health. Mm. They're like, oh, you're not lonely. You, like, have so many people that love love you. Like, don't worry about it. Um, versus just being like, okay, yeah, you have people that love you. Yes, you can also feel lonely. Um, and that, I don't know, that even, even what I was talking yeah. about earlier about, like, your capacity for pain extends to your capacity to love. Like, the 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 pain you can feel by being lonely also means that you're the love you can feel for other people and i feel like the way you describe it as well of like it constantly being like it's a part of you and it's there um it made me curious to ask you like um what does it this might be a big question but like Mm -hmm. what does it actually feel like to you like is it a is it a constant feeling where it's like always there or is it like moments where it kind of creeps up and like maybe goes away for a bit like i i guess i'm curious about the nature of that mm-hmm. for you totally I um so I also have major depression uh, I want to preface with that because I think that that probably impacts I guess my relationship with this idea of loneliness because I think depression tends to lead itself not all the time but a lot of the time to feeling incredibly isolated um I'm medicated for it and like I'm in therapy and it is managed for the most part um or actually managed really generally as a whole um, which I'm very proud of Um, but, uh, beyond that, um, I think, thank you. (laughs) I feel, um, I feel like my loneliness is just a thing that's always there. Um, and it's something, it was, it was really fucking hard for me to admit that or to even live with that, Mm. um, for a really long time because it was just something I was ashamed of and something I felt like I didn't deserve to feel because there were people that loved me. Um, but once I just stopped fighting it, I felt like a comfort in that, I guess, almost. Um, And I feel the same way about my depression that like, you know, if you have like diabetes, for example, it's not like something you're like, oh, I, you you don't want to admit to. It's just, sorry, Miss Bless you. Sorry. That's the cutest news I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I sneeze so hard. It's my only redeeming quality. (laughs) It's on my CV. You know, I sneeze really nicely. It's on my CV. Cute sneezer. Sorry. Um, But yeah, for uh, for a really long time, I was... um, Like, if you have diabetes, for example, you don't want to... Or you you wouldn't be, like, ashamed of being like, oh, this is a condition I live with or something. But with, I think, mental health and a lot of um, mental disorders, you just are, are expected to be ashamed of it or hide it which is why I think I talk about it so much online, Mm. Um, but, or just also with my friends or just generally. Um, But with my depression and my loneliness, I think the second I stopped fighting it and I accepted it as a part of me that made me who I was and that even like in some ways it could make me a more understanding friend or a more loving partner or um, more honest with myself or whatever those things were, the more I started to feel grateful for the entire spectrum of human emotion that I was able to feel because I was even feeling ashamed of myself for like falling in love really easily or uh, feeling like joy really uh, like really aggressively for things that maybe shouldn't warrant joy or something. And I just thought about like all the time I had spent just being angry at myself for feeling things good and bad and like how much time I had wasted or like, how much I didn't deserve that unkindness towards myself. 
Um, and as soon as I started feeling like it was something that I just was living with, like a roommate or like, yeah, basically like a roommate, um, then the more I was able to love it and care for it and give it the things it needed, um, and while also giving myself the things I need. I think that's so sweet. I think it's something that actually, I think a lot of us probably could do with working on, even if like you're not diagnosed with a disorder or a mental illness. Um, but I'm, I'm curious actually with that experience, like what your experience has been. Actually, mm-hmm. maybe it would be helpful actually for our audience as well, if you could maybe talk about BPD a little bit and like what are, if, if you feel if comfortable. You feel comfortable yeah. um, I would love to. No one talks about BPD and it has such a terrible stigmatized name that I feel like people people always associate it with DID, which is like dissociative yeah. identity disorder, which is kind of when like all people like call it like having multiple personalities, which like mm. isn't exactly the yeah. case. It's mostly that like one personality is fragmented. But um with BPD, um it's it's like characterized by this like basically list of like nine or something symptoms, I think. I'm not exactly the expert. Um, but some of those that I experience are, um, like shifting sense of self-worth. Like I was talking about, like either like an inflated ego or like feeling like you're not nothing at all or like chronic feelings of like emptiness, like just feeling like a black hole, which I felt like for a lot of my life. Um, also, uh, reckless like behavior, like reckless driving, reckless sex, reckless shopping. I have all of those things, (laughs) um, or (laughs) like exhibited a lot of those for a really long time as well. Um, another one is like, um, like really aggressive outbursts of anger, which I don't actually have that one, but a lot of people do. Um, and then, uh, there's a few other ones like fear of abandonment, which I think a lot of people have as well. So it's, it's kind of a thing where you can like look at all of them separately and be like, oh, I have those things. And then like be quick to diagnose yourself with, Mm. uh, which I would recommend against because, (laughs) putting a name to something when you're not a professional just doesn't really help you that much and kind of just freaks you out because I've been there. Um, but my therapist told me that I had BPD like two or three years ago, but she had known that I'd had it from the second I like started talking yeah. to her. Oh, but no she told way. me that like, yeah, but she told me that like I wasn't in a place to be able to hear it because I, I oh. honestly, when I came to her, I was, I was, first of all, I was dragged to her. Like someone brought me to her. Uh, but I was so depressed that, like, I was not able to shower and I was, like, suicidal. So, like, obviously I was not in a place to be able to hear what she was, like, to be able to be, like, diagnosed with a bunch of other things at that point would have been a luxury that I wasn't able to, um, I guess, like, handle. So she told me it when, like, at a time when it was relevant to me and it made a lot more sense. And putting a name to things is really helpful because I think then you can understand, you can talk to other people Mm. that also experience the same thing and then find community and camaraderie in that. And then also you just kind of feel like not insane because there's a name for the thing that you're going through. Um, But yeah, I've had it probably my entire life, I'm guessing. I've definitely had major depression since I was like a small child. Like I remember being, I found this video of me um, like talking to like my, like an old phone or something that I found around the house or something. Um, saying that, like, I didn't want to live, and I was, like, nine years old, which is, like, so, so young. Um, So I think, I think part of it, um, part of it was the environment, but I think uh, a lot of it also runs in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there's, there were definitely, like, biological things that contributed to it. So I've definitely had it for a really long time. So I cannot emphasize enough, like, how much getting the help you need when you need it helps, um, because it 100% saved my life. But through, like, that 
through the outside factors that have saved my life, I have learned to save my own too every day. Um, just by putting in doing those routines and like putting in the work and trying to make myself better mm-hmm. makes me feel like I'm like, I don't know, living, growing, mm-hmm. existing, growing up <laughs> in a good way that makes me feel proud. I love that a lot. It's and I know that in the blog post you also mentioned being on Zoloft. I'm not that familiar mm-hmm. with like the different medication that you that like what exactly Zoloft does, but obviously you said that you're also still on medication for your depression. Yeah. But what is kind of the difference between like I guess Zoloft and what you're on now and how's your experience mm-hmm. with medication been? Because I feel like I've heard a lot from people who have like tried different medications, for example, to treat their depression and it just sounds like to be honest, there's nothing that's perfect mm-hmm. and so many side effects that aren't told to you by your doctor. Or... I think there's also mm-hmm. a cultural pressure to be like, uh, not a cultural pressure, but a, a cultural force that sometimes is like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be going on medication. You can figure it out by yourself. Like, I think there's a lot of stigma that comes. Yeah, with, or that know? like it's a crutch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'd be interested. Yeah, I'd be interested to see um if you've like found that with your own experience oh yeah I mean I could talk about this forever <laughs> like even my parents like my mom like she when I first started going on meds she was like okay so what's your plan to get off them mm. and I was like mom if I was diabetic you wouldn't be telling me how, like asking me how I was gonna wean off insulin yeah um and I think that's just like a different kind of perspective that mm. I don't maybe older people or just like different people with like I guess less exposure to talking about these things mm. has Um, I have had a weird relationship with finding medication, but I will say that the medication I'm on right now is the reason I am able to continue my life. I think I could probably live without it if I wanted to, but it would just be a lot harder and I don't want to, so I won't. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will also say that going to therapy or however you do that, like whether it's journaling and being honest with yourself or, um, however it is that you want to look at the actual core root of why you're feeling a certain way, if you don't do that in conjunction with medication, then it is a band-aid. So I think the most important thing about it is like looking at the why and like trying to work with that. And then if you need meds or talk to like a doctor that you trust, I think that's the biggest thing, um, then working with them to find something that works with you, which is something that takes a long time for a lot of people I don't really know that many people, I, I, a lot of my friends are on meds, but um, I don't know many of them that have just found the right one right away, which is mm. really unfortunate and discouraging. But if it's something that you want to invest in, or at least like, I guess like interrogate on any level, um, it's going to take time and energy. Um, I had a series of really bad psychiatrists um like one of them who met me for like 10 minutes and then like misdiagnosed me with bipolar 2 which I didn't have um and then like another one who prescribed me who like he was the one that um had me on Zoloft which is a type of SSRI which is a serotonin something serotonin selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor I think which basically Mm -hmm. means I'm gonna get fucked up online if this is (laughs) but my my understanding of it and how it works is that, like, the synapses in your brain, like, um, are, they're the ones that absorb the serotonin that naturally gets produced by your brain, um, and then the SSRI blocks those synapses from absorbing it as quickly, which means there's more serotonin in there to bounce around, um, so it doesn't, like, create more serotonin, but it just encourages your body to absorb it at a rate that makes more sense for Mm. your condition, I think, um, 
So I was on Zoloft, which is an SSRI, which works for some people. I have a friend of mine that likes hers and has been on like a low dose for a long time. But my psychiatrist at the time, um, when it wasn't working, he just kept upping my dose and had me and it like eventually, like my friend is on, I think, I don't know, 25 milligrams or something. And he had me when I like finished with him, I was on like 200 or something milligrams of Zoloft, which is enough for like a 300 pound man or something like that. Um, And I just felt like completely numb and completely shut off to the world. And I felt like I remember I was dating this really, really nice guy at the time and I had to break up with him because I didn't want him to touch me. And I like didn't want like to be I just like didn't feel anything. And it was really, really awful. And I feel really terrible about that. But it also brought me to a better psychiatrist um, who was like, I guess, more conservative in how they um, prescribed and who really kind of acted like a therapist in the way that they wanted to understand the actual like mental and like emotional state that I was in and not just my physical like what are your symptoms kind of thing yeah um and with them I've been with them for probably three years now um and they put me back on Lexapro which is something I had tried in the past um and Lexapro had worked for me for a long time and then I went through like some life changes and I was living in London for a bit this was in like 2019 Um, and it kind of stopped working and I attributed that to like Lexapro stopping working for me Mm. in general. Um, but then when I went back to this therapist or sorry, went back to the psychiatrist, he was like, I think maybe you should look at like the fact that your life circumstances changed and if Lexapro worked for you in the past then maybe it'll work for you again now. So let's try it. And then slowly he added like a few other like supplemental uh, medications. So now I'm on like basically a very sexy cocktail of three, (laughs) uh, which is um, uh, Lexapro. And then um, this medication called Abilify, which is a mood stabilizer, which is used a lot um, in uh, conjunction with other SSRIs. Um, In lower doses, it's helped with like energy and um, just like motivation. And then in higher doses, it's used like in like way, way higher doses, it's used uh, for people with bipolar. Um, so, cause they're just different types of like classes of medicine, like SSRIs or mood stabilizers that are used for different, um, mental illnesses. Uh, so I'm on Lexapro and Abilify and then this other one called like Deplin, which is kind of random, but it's like, it's called a medical food, but it's a pill. Um, and it just kind of helps you have a better day. That's my general understanding of it. It's really expensive. Uh, but I just, I've been taking it for a while, so it's useful to me, but that is to say that I have arrived at this thing that I've been taking for years that has helped me immensely just make my life easier and that that is possible to find, though it is not necessary always for everyone, but there are like different things that work for different people and I'm very lucky to find the thing that worked for me. here just to say that this conversation me and Cara enjoyed so so much thank you endlessly Zoe for coming on and we enjoyed the conversation so much that we actually spoke for two hours and 15 minutes uh so we're gonna make this conversation with Zoe into two parts so two episodes and this episode obviously as you could hear was all centered around loneliness mental health and next week's episode is gonna be a bit fun, a bit spicy, talking about relationships, about sexual stigma, about exploring your sexuality, 
so many fun things coming up and again Zoe thank you so much for coming on the podcast we loved having you and I really hope that you guys enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as we did recording it and yeah without much further ado I hope you're having a great week and sending lots of love speak to you next week